The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 42, The Monthly Mash with Andrew Roberts. Welcome to The Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Hey everyone, before we get into the episode this week, I wanted to let you know that there are a few spots where the audio is a little spotty, but they're very short-lived, so don't skip ahead too far. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that. Also, I wanted to let you know that I put together a checklist for in-round golf nutrition and hydration, so please go ahead and check that out. The link to download that checklist is in the show notes. If you can't get the show notes, please send me a message. You can get any of the links in the show notes and I will make sure that you get that checklist. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast, and we are doing another episode of the Monthly Mash, so that means we have Andrew Roberts on. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again, Joe. This is uh, always a fun monthly segment, and uh, obviously we've got a lot to talk about. Yep, lots to talk about. I figured, why don't we recap uh, some of the big tournaments that uh, you know we didn't get to talk about over the past three or four weeks? That includes like waste management uh, yep. last weekend at Genesis, and time escapes me already. I forget what was before that at this point. What was the farm? It was the Farmers Open. Farmers, that's right. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, obviously farmers, the big thing, Patrick Reed ran away with it, but, uh, more controversy created by him. Um, uh, the interpretation of the law, picking up the ball before marking it. Uh, and then it became almost a Patrick Reed PGA tour official. He said, he said type thing. Um, and just another kind of, uh, blip on, uh, Reed's radar. Um, you know, I was, Obviously, he's he is a, a polarizing figure in the game, um, and it's hard to I don't know I it's it's hard to describe him um, because you 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 know obviously when he's playing like the Ryder Cups or things like that you want to root for him but at the same time it, it's also hard because of like is he a cheater um, is he doing this intentionally. Um, is he just aloof on some things of his perception? Does he just not care? I mean, it, it, it's a combination of, the, of those things. But, I mean, obviously, you know, Adam Scott and Victor Hovland were trying to chase him and kind of faltered at the end. Same with John Rahm, um, who's played very well at that tournament. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, was kind of interesting. I mean, it wasn't interesting from the fact of uh, the play on Sunday, but it was interesting – um, just everything with Patrick Weed, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, all those points you brought up, does he do it on purpose? I think that's one theory that happens a lot because he seems to thrive under more hatred for him for some reason. Um, which I mean, it's good for him. And I mean, if that's what fuels him that go for it. However, you know, I don't know if necessarily, breaking the rules is a good thing or or at least tempting to break the rules is a good thing um it is interesting that he always seems to be the person that is surrounded by these rules controversies uh as of late i know it's not always just him but he always seems to be a name that's brought up and you would think that with the attention that he has gotten from from controversies like this that maybe he would be a little bit more careful take an extra 30 seconds to ask an official like, Hey, why don't you check this out before I pick my ball up or whatever? You know, I mean, there was a clean in place, uh, there. A lot of people said that he did the right thing. I'm not necessarily here to debate that. It's just interesting that he's, he's always in, in the loop when it comes to uh, a rules controversy. Well, there's no question, but the other thing is, I mean, he's, you know, two years ago, he won the Masters. Last year, he won the WGC Mexico, which this week is the work day, and we'll talk about that later. And he's won the Farmers against strong fields. And like you said, I think Nick Faldo alluded to it on the broadcast. Like, he just thrives off of it. Um, yeah, and then uh, just down the road, the waste management, 
thrilled for my boy Brooks Kepka. I mean, you uh, not that he necessarily needed a win, but uh, man, the play down the stretch that he had was out. I thought that chip in on 17, that is a really tough shot that he executed. Um, and, and the other thing over this week, and the other one we forgot to mention was the AT&T Pebble Beach uh, Pro-Am. The rise of Jordan Spieth. I mean, okay, he hasn't won since 2017 at the Open at Birkdale, and we all remember that on 13 where he had to hit it, where all the equipment trucks were and blah, blah, blah. But he has been non-existent the last two and a half years and played well for about two and a half, three rounds of the waste management and then obviously faltered on Sunday um, and then played pretty good through about three, three and a half rounds at Pebble Beach and obviously came up uh, short there. But it's, you know, and he had some uh, good, a couple good rounds at the Genesis too. So maybe he's, He's kind of turning a corner here. I mean, obviously, we know his short game and his putting uh, was really good, and that was evident, obviously, at Phoenix and Pebble Beach and a few of the rounds at Riviera. But um, he's found something in his ball striking and his in his driving. Obviously, we all know his coach is Cameron McCormick, and he stuck by him um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he's been his coach for a long time. And they've been working on swing changes, and obviously – um, a lot of people question that, rightfully so, they should. But maybe he's he's finding something because you know he's he's been looking good over the past three weeks. He really has, and it's I mean it's obviously refreshing to see that happen again. I mean he was on top of the world, and then you know two shots in the water at the Masters, and then it was a steep downhill for him for the past you know few years since it's since that time, and it's it's been nice to see him do well. I mean you know he was the golden boy of golf for uh, a few years there. And now he's, he's, he's doing better again, which is, is really nice to see. I wasn't paying that much close attention to Pebble beach. And then um, I think that was what super bowl Sunday. Right. And then I just happened to look. No on... way. It was super bowl Sunday. It was the week after uh, super bowl Sunday. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember the, looking. Usually, Cause usually Phoenix, I know. Because it's a party down here, and obviously they only let 5,000 fans in this year. Um, and it's a party at the Super Bowl. That's the only reason I know. Because, uh, you know, the waste management is down here at TPC Scottsdale Stadium Course, which, folks, I have talked about. It's on my bucket list. I'll get there, and then I'll give you all the details eventually. Um, but it's the it's the, uh, it's the uh, biggest party on turf is what they call it, or the, the biggest party on grass. And obviously this year with the COVID precautions, uh, they only let 5,000 fans in. But the players enjoyed it. Rory made his first trip down here. Uh, Brooks talked about it. A lot of the players talked about it. It was nice to have some fans out there. So um, it was a great job by the Thunderbirds, uh, tournament officials, and then the Arizona Golf Association, which I am a member of. They got some volunteers. So it was just a it was a good time for them and uh, uh, still a spectacular course. I mean, um, you know, it's obviously it's one of my bucket lists for a reason and it, and it looks great. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time for Brooks. And so, yeah. Nice speaking just yeah. off the cuff, totally, uh, not to this, but there's a corn ferry tour event here, like right yeah. down the road for me in yeah, June. I thought, I thought and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to end up volunteering, I think for at least a day or so. I don't know what I'm going to do, but, I think that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah, that's kind of, um, that's kind of interesting that they, they would – not that it's I, – I love it. I love that they're going to different parts of the United States because the Corn Ferry Tour kicked off again this week. I think it was the Lecom Sunshine Classic in Florida. Um, but it's, it's good to see uh, tours going different places, like, you know, the Corn Ferry Tour going to Maine. Um, I remember when I lived in Iowa when the senior tour, when they announced the Principal Charity Classic the first year, uh, we went crazy because it was nice. And they've had a senior open out there at Des Moines Golf and Country Club, which is a fantastic course. They had the uh, Women's Solheim Cup uh, at Des Moines Golf and Country Club, too. So that was a good thing. And obviously, they've been playing the Principal Charity Classic uh, at Wakanda Club in Des Moines, which is another uh, great one. But it's also it's all so good to see. Um, and another thing I know is the LPGA announced this week last your CJ Cup venue, Shadow Creek, they're going to play a match play out there for the women. So I think that's going to be uh, really cool, too. So it's it's kind of cool that's to cool. see all these tours kind of spreading across the United States. And, uh, 
yeah, I saw you post that. I was like, dang, that's pretty cool. It's going to be up in Maine, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty excited for that. But um, I'm guessing that's probably going to be in like June or July or something or August, maybe. Yeah. It's supposed to be the last week of June, I believe. Yeah. I'm say, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same with the Midwest when we're there. I mean, that's why they played the John Deere at Silvis, Illinois in July. Uh, the 3M Open, same thing, Quicken Loans in Michigan, because that's just big time for, for those courses because, you know, that's why they do this, and now they're heading into the Florida swing now, obviously because you play year-round in California, Arizona, where I'm at, and in Florida. So. Yep. Well, last weekend they finished their West Coast swing at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera and was a, an exciting finish. And I will say, I mean, Max Homa won. Congrats to him. But he, you know, he's been sneakily close to the top of the leaderboard the past few weeks, even before that. And I'm not surprised that he won this past weekend, to be honest. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised either. Um, you know, this guy, if you remember, he won the Wells Fargo Championship in 2019, played his college golf at Cal Berkeley. He grew up in Valencia, which is not too far uh, from L.A. So he is a Cali kid. You know, obviously his... Uh, I saw Aaron Dill post, who's the Vokey wedge rep on tour for Timeless, posted his wedges, and they have L.A. on them. So he's a huge Dodgers fan. So uh, it was kind of like a home meet for him. And it's uh, kudos to him. Great field. Rory was there. Bryson was there. Justin Thomas. I know all those all those guys missed the cut, unfortunately. And uh, Rory's first missed cut since, I think, the 2019 Open. I think it was – or 20 – Yeah, yeah was... 2019 Open. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. Um but DJ was there. Brooks Kepka was there. Uh, just a great field. So kudos to Max Holman. That is a very difficult course. A lot of people, you know, I read in Golf Digest and Golf.com, a lot of people said they should bring a major back there, which they should, because I believe the last major there was the 95 PGA Championship. Uh, that was a showdown between Montgomery, uh, Colin Montgomery, Steve Elkington, and Ernie Els. Um so Riviera is a fantastic venue. Uh, it is going to host the portion of the 2026 Olympics that L.A. got. So that's going to be an outstanding venue for Olympic golf. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see another major, maybe even a Ryder Cup. I know they've hosted, I believe the NCAA tournament was there a couple, two or three years ago, maybe four, uh, at Riviera. So it is just an iconic venue. Um, but the other thing I want to talk about, uh, is how close Tony Finau has been. I mean, he's he's been second. He's been, you know, he was second, lost in the playoff, couldn't do anything more, shot a Sunday uh, uh, seven under 64. So he did everything right. And, you know, unfortunately, he couldn't get it up and down out of the bunker on 14, the second playoff hole. Um, but he is real close to winning again. And I still can't believe his only one is the 2016 Puerto Rico Open. I mean, it, that guy, honestly, he should have about five, ten wins right now. But you know, the the um, the parity in the PGA Tour is so good, and you know, a lot of these up and young comers, Victor Hovland, Kamala Kawa, um, Matt Wolf. You've got steady players, Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson. So, I mean, it's hard to win each week. So, um, yeah, yeah, but I think Tony Finau should be winning more, in my opinion. Yeah. It's definitely not easy. And when you just said that Tony Finau only has one, I actually did not know that. I thought he would have had at least two wins, nope. Nope. and he's only has one. That's that's surprising. You're right. He should probably have like at least another five to ten potentially. Yeah, um, he should have like yeah. five to ten wins and maybe a major. I mean, he he is a high level player, um, and you know, been a staple Riders Cup, Presidents Cups over the past few years. Uh, a great ball striker for a for a guy that has a three-quarter swing, uh, a la John Rahm, gets the most out of his body. Um, and just sometimes the flat stick just leaves him. But obviously, at Riviera, his flat stick is working pretty good. So, um, But yeah, he's uh, he's been close, but no cigar. He's been a bridesmaid, but never a bride lately. So, um, unfortunately for him. But I, I think a win's around the corner for him. Uh, where it comes, I don't know. But he, he's too good to only have one win. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, yeah. this week we have uh, WGC Workday, uh, which is normally held in Mexico, as you had mentioned. And I guess with you know 
COVID and everything that's going on, they decided not to do that there this year. It's in Bradenton, Florida. Um, the name of the course escapes me. I know it's Jack Nicholas and it's someone else golf, designed. That's right. And um, some more big names will be there still. I mean, Bryson, he won there when he was in college, much skinnier looking, although he's looking leaner. Uh, if you've seen pictures of him, he's looking leaner right now. I don't know if he's done a cut or what's going on, but uh, he looks he looks healthier. I'll say that. I don't know. Maybe he's not drinking eight protein shakes a day. But, yeah, Bryson's going to be in the field. Um, Rory, Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, Brooks Kepka, um, you know, Tyrrell Hatton, who's been super hot on the European tour. Uh, everybody's favorite fairway Jesus, Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, this is a world golf event. Um, and then obviously depending champion, we just talked about him earlier. Patrick Reed will be there as well. So, um, this is a private club designed by Jack Nicholas, but everybody that has played this course, I haven't heard anything from the players too much this week, but has just absolutely raved about how amazing this course is, um, and how great a shape it is. Um, and like you said, they just had to move it, um, from Mexico to Florida because of COVID precautions and, uh, Mexico City didn't want to take a chance. So uh, Bradenton said, sure. Workday said, we'll sponsor it. So bada bing, bada boom. Uh, we are here this week for that. And kind of a beginning to the Florida swing, uh, which we were actually in Florida this time. Right. And not to over overshadow, but we have two tournaments this weekend. We also have the Puerto Rico Open yep. Yep. Uh, occurring at the same time. So two things yep. happening at once. Also... Not to overshadow uh, the ladies, but Annika Sorenstam is playing this weekend for her first time in however long. So that should be exciting to see how she does. Well, yeah, and, and she talked about this. She said that she kind of wants to play the senior tour, but um, like the U.S. Women's Senior Open is kind of a target for her. Uh, but she said she wanted to ramp it up, and she's playing at the, I think it's the Gamebridge Invitational, and it's at Lake Nona, which is her home club. And that made it easier, she said, for her to play in this. Um, and she's playing with two high-level Swedes who were probably inspired by her, Anna Nordquist and Madeline Sagstrom, um, are paired with her together. So that's going to be a really fun group. Yeah, you're gonna if you're in Florida this week, go nuts because you've got uh, a great golf, especially around the Orlando area. So, um, yeah, and uh, the Puerto Rico Open, which is always a good – event yeah i know it doesn't draw a strong field but guys like uh tony Finau, jet uh victor hovland will not be defending his title because he qualified for the wdc workday uh championship um but it still should pose a pretty good field opposite field event um not worth as many fedex cup points but still uh if you win you get a victor on the pga tour and a two-year exemption so um yeah that's what they're playing for yep and then the, I don't know what's after this. Is it the Players' Championship after this weekend? I don't think so. I two think weekends. No, I think it's the Honda Classic, I think, is next. Oh, no, it's Arnold Palmer, I think. Oh, it's Bay Hill? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's Arnold Palmer. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, I'm I think it's... Of things. Yeah. yeah, it's either the Honda Classic. It's all good. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah, if it's Bay Hill, it's uh, another great tournament. Uh, speaking of Mr. Hot on the European Tour, Tyrrell Hatton, if it is Bay Hill, will be the uh, defending champion. If it's the Honda, it is uh, Sung J.M., who is Mr. Uh, um, I don't know, plays every tournament. So, yeah, that uh, yeah, he's the defending champ. Held off Ricky Fowler and Brooks Kepka last year, so um, that was a good one. Well, why don't we uh, we w- we are going to answer some some listeners' questions, but before we do that, obviously some big news big news broke the other day, and um, unfortunately, Tiger Woods, I'm sure most of us know by now at this point, uh, experienced a significant car crash in L.A. early in the morning as he was going to go film for Golf TV and doing his series with them. And um, honestly, really lucky to still be only in the condition that he's in and honestly still alive. And, 
Um, just, you know, lucky that he has just injuries to his, to his leg. Honestly, I'm sure there's other things that were injured just from being rolled over and all those other things, but nothing too severe or significant. Um, but I figured we'd talk a little bit about his, his injuries and his surgery and what that means mm-hmm. for his future. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, all the players at the WGC when they were, um, made it, made aware of this, obviously it was uh, very uh, kind of somber. I mean, Tony Finau talked about the impact Tiger had on him. Justin Thomas, who's become really good friends with them, said it made him sick to his stomach. Um, and you know, it's, it's it's hard and he hopes he pulls through and thoughts and prayers um and i thought rory summed it up best today and said you know at the end of the day he's a human being and uh you know regardless of how you feel about him he's lucky to be alive he's lucky to be here and the kids are lucky they didn't lose a father and i think that's a great you know obviously rory being a new father has great perspective but um i think he had a great um perspective on it and yes, Tiger's lucky to be alive. I, uh, you know, I immersed myself in the in the stuff from the LA County Sheriff's Department, LA County Sheriff, um, and the the fire crew, and basically said this is an area where he went through that has frequent accidents or, or people, and you know, hit the median, lost control, car spinned out, you know, and I'm sure you guys can see the photos circulating online. His front end was smashed of his car. They had to use a a crowbar. Uh, to get the door open, then obviously got him out, transferred him to one of the best uh, trauma centers in, in L.A., might be around the United States, UCLA Trauma Center. Um, and obviously he had uh, successful surgery. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, it, it's regardless of how you feel about Tiger and his character and what he did in the past, um, he's good for golf. He is very good for golf. And a lot of these guys that are on the tour now, idolized him, wanted to play like him, got into fitness, got into things. You know, for me, he is one of the reasons I got into golf and one of the reasons um, I got interested in fitness and and golf and everything. So um, I owe a lot to Tiger and just hope he recovers. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely good for golf, that's for sure. But um going into his his injuries that we know what we know of and i guess the surgeries what we know of um this is the i'm sure more has come out but this is what's come out from his his foundation his group tgr events um they said that his right tibia and fibula were comminuted fractures and they had a rod put in for the tibia um for anyone who doesn't know what comminuted means it's basically shattered think about just cracking an eggshell basically. And, um, it was open, um, which just means that bones poke through, through the skin essentially. So the opposite of that is obviously closed, just meaning again, that the bones do not come through the skin. So with that, we have to worry about infection, um, which is, you know, something to think about. Um, the comminuted part of that where everything shattered is really difficult to put together versus kind of a clean break. Obviously it's, you know, if you think about like a splinter, you can just kind of lay that back to how you want it and hope the bone grows back for the most part. Uh, common nude fracture is a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, not always the simplest. He also sustained fractures to his ankle and foot. We don't know exactly what, um, but also repaired with hardware. Um, we can get into that a little bit more and what that means potentially. And then from what it sounds like he had compartment syndrome or something along those lines where they had to basically cut a part of his skin, just basically make an incision, which um, they don't close all the way again. Um, they suture it, but they leave it open some to expose some of the skin and the muscle underneath to allow pressure to come out and for those of who are listening, compartment syndrome is a very serious condition. Um, basically, in our bodies, we have compartments. And if you think about a compartment that is, you know, muscles, nerves, and arteries and veins, and they're surrounded by a covering called fascia, it's very tight to begin with. And usually this occurs when there's some sort of trauma. So this is not necessarily surprising. 
but basically they're either going to just stop some blood flow or it's going to shuffle a lot of blood flow into that compartment, which allows that to expand and really swell up. Unfortunately, with that swelling, it can't go anywhere. And if it presses on nerves or muscle, and if it lasts for a significant amount of time and significant is really not that long, we're talking like more than six hours, you can have irreversible nerve or muscle damage. So it's imperative that you get uh, taken care of immediately. Um, but it sounds like he had that taken care of, which is great. But again, it's just more trauma because they had to cut his skin open and it's still partially open. So what does all of this mean uh, for Tiger? It is honestly very uncertain, um, I think, at this point. I don't like to count anyone out. I said this earlier. I talked about this a little bit earlier on uh, Instagram and Facebook. But, I mean, things that Tiger has going well for him, he's still relatively young in terms of just human lifespan. And he's healthy, um, which is really good. All of that's on his side. Um, the fact, though, that he's a high-performing athlete, I think, you know, will we see him hit a golf ball again? Sure, we will. Um, is he going to ever play at the level that we hope he's going to? I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. These are pretty tough injuries to return from. I've seen stuff like this before, very similar, and it's not easy. Um, and it's a hard, hard rehab, um, let alone the fact that he's going to be limited using his leg, his muscles on that side are going to atrophy, you know, what he's going to be allowed to do or not do in the time while he's healing is questionable. Um, it's going to be a long road. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if, if you kind of want to understand kind of a comminuted fracture, not that they're exactly similar, but look at Alex Smith for, for uh, the Washington football team. Um, he had he had an open fracture when he was tackled by J.J. Watt. I don't think it was a comminator. I think it was an oblique, which means it's at an angle. But he definitely had an open. Um, and so the risk of infection is is concerning. So uh, Smith obviously had very similar to put rod in everything, did two or three surgeries on that. Then he developed MRSA. So then he had, I think, another 11 surgeries after that. So he had 13 total surgeries. Um Tiger probably may have a, a few more because of the communated. Um, you know, they may, they, they obviously put a rod, you know, here, which is in this lower leg bone. Your tibia is right here. So they put it in there. And then obviously, like Joe said, with the ankle, they put in uh, screws and plates because that's the easiest because there's a lot of small bones. And, um, you know, the depending on the fractures, you know, it depends on the number of screws or the plates or things of that nature. Um, and like Joe talked about, it could have had compartment syndrome. They could have done a fasciotomy as well, just to, just to release that area. Um, and like he said, it's where a surgeon will take a scalpel, open up the skin, um, won't close it all the way to basically let it breathe. Um, so he has a number of those things. What is, like Joe said, what does this mean for Tiger? Well, one, he's probably not going to be able to weight bear on that right leg. Um, it, was already compounded by the, the tibia lower leg bone fracture. Now it's even more compounded by the foot of the ankle. He probably may not weight bear for somewhere between eight to 12 weeks. So we're talking about two and a half to three months. Um, he's definitely probably going to be in a cast of some sort, maybe. Um, he's going to have his legs going to be huge. It's what's called a hematoma. So blood is rushing to the area. Plus he had a release, whether it's a fasciotomy or, or compartment syndrome. Um, so he's, he's, that leg's going to be huge, uh, for a while, obviously doctors in, in the trauma are going to monitor it. Um, and then the transition is probably going to be to a walking boot to get a little bit of weight in. So he's going to go from non-weight bearing to what's called partial weight bearing. Um, and then the rehab process may begin. I don't know when. So it'll be interesting to see because, uh, Tiger is going to kind of be a guinea pig, and unfortunately, a lot of eyes are going to be on him. And like Joe said, he's probably going to hit a golf ball. Can he get back to a high level, uh, maybe to compete, or even an elite level? Maybe not, but we don't know. There are so many unknowns with this. He may have more surgeries. Um, he he may, uh, may not have more surgeries. The rehab process may be arduous, and it may be very difficult. 
rehab process may be arduous, but he may continue to progress, or the rehab process may be arduous, but he does pretty well. So there are a lot of unknowns right now. So all of this, the surgery is not speculation because the, uh, the head of the trauma department at UCLA talked about those things. So that's the information that Joe and I are relaying. But the unknowns are how he's going to be in the coming weeks, months, and even year um, with what he wants to do, obviously getting back to golf activities. Because he said on the broadcast uh, for the final round of the Genesis that um, – <clears throat> He had not really started golf activity. He was supposed to have an MRI to uh, make sure that the disc was doing well, and then he could begin golf activities. Well, obviously, that's out the window now. So, um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to follow over these next few months to see what uh, Tiger does. But there are a ton of unknowns, um, and we, we just don't know exactly how he's going to respond to them. But that's the world of rehab and therapy and, and, and medicine, too. Don't get us wrong. I mean, we... Both Joe and I try to do our best with the individuals we see every day, but we we cannot always get somebody to a level that they want to be at. We can get them close, but sometimes um, it's not within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think, you know, things that are unknown that we don't know the exact specifics of, right? Does he have, you know, they just said hardware, right? It's very possible that he can have an external fixation, um, which is basically just hardware that's external to his body potentially. Um, and you know, he may need again, like Andrew said, more surgeries to take care of that and remove, remove some of those things. Who knows? Um, again, we don't know where his ankle fractures are and what kind of hardware and what they did to that. And as Andrew mentioned, there are lots of small bones in the foot and the way that the ankle moves is very intricate, um, with those joints. I'm sure most of you know, I mean, you can move your ankle in a big round circle for the most part, and there's a lot of things happening when, when you do that. Um, and so potentially, depending on where they put hardware in, whether it's some of those joints, mainly at the heel bone and the bone that sits underneath the tibia and the fibula, the talus, you know, if they had to put some hardware into there to stabilize any of that, he's going to have a hard time, you know, moving his foot around. He's going to end up losing range of motion can he get a good amount back sure but it's not going to ever be the same and luckily this is on his trail side from what we know it's on the right side so it's going to be on his trail side um he does have to wind up into that but it's not going to take as much torque as probably the lead leg would but it's still going to affect his ability to hit and swing golf ball and develop a lot of uh force from the ground and power um so again those are things to think about. Again, like Andrew said, you know, with people that I've seen, everything varies. There's so many factors, depends on what the doctors think. Lots of things happening with him, even more so. I mean, again, with potential fasciotomy, um, I mean, he, like Andrew said, may not be weight bearing or putting any weight down onto that leg for eight to 12 weeks. I would say I've seen people not in exactly the same situation, but similar surgeries you know, usually around four to six weeks is when that begins. I think that's pretty aggressive knowing Tiger's injuries and all the other things that are going on. Um, and like I said, there's going to be muscle atrophy going on in that leg. So um, not only just in his lower leg, but also his quad, his hamstrings, even around his hip. Um, all of those things are going to affect and just compound time for how long it's going to take for him to get back. Uh, just doing regular everyday things, let alone, you know, swinging a golf club at a high level. Um, so what, like Andrew said, what, what needs to be seen is just time and a lot of different factors that are unknown. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing right now is to just send thoughts and prayers up out to tiger and, and his family and, and, you know, hope that he recovers and is just able to live somewhat a normal life. Again, he'll probably be able to swing a golf club, but we'll see if he can do it competitively. So with that being said, we'll get into some listener questions. I had um, one just from from Andrew's coworker, and this is more of a joke, it sounds like, but he wanted me to ask Andrew why he never does leg day. Well, on my on my Instagram, I have posted uh, uh, front squats, and he can watch me back squat and do uh, thirty inch box jumps, but. Uh... 
if you want to harass him, uh, his name is David Velasquez at DN. Let's see. I'm trying to, uh, I think it's at DMFNV on Instagram. So if you want to send him direct messages, he's a Phoenix Suns fan, by the way. So they haven't made the playoffs in a while. Um, <laughs> you, you can make fun of him, which I do every day. Also, his favorite player is Kelly Oubre Jr., uh, who got traded to the Warriors. So um, I always like to say he's on a better team now. So, um, But thankfully for him, Devin Booker is an all-star. Um, Anthony Davis, uh, you know, is dealing with an Achilles injury right now, so Devin Booker got to be an all-star. So I guess he'll be happy about that. But um, uh, David's on Team Tiny Cavs too. So, <laughs> But golfers it, golfers, it is important to uh, – to do lower body uh, leg day, uh, to use that ground reaction force and uh, create more power and uh, be a, as uh, somebody said, be an absolute unit, which they saw Brooks Kepka be at uh, Phoenix. I saw, I saw a video. Dang, Brooks Kepka is an absolute unit, bro. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, you had a question, I believe. Uh, yeah. I had to do more I about specifics with with golf. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had a question for my coworkers, so they keep harassing me. I'm just going to stop doing this podcast for them. Just kidding. Uh, it's awesome to hang out with Joe. But uh, my coworker, Brittany Rose, um, uh, B-W-O-O-D-R-1 on Instagram. So if you want to send her direct messages, harass her, go for it. Uh, she asked, I am terrible at golf, and I have trouble getting the golf ball up off the tee. Uh, how can I improve that? So, uh, Joe, I'll let you take the first stab at that. My first suggestion would be, uh, get, get a lesson or get a swing coach. Cause they'll be able to help you out with that. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, to, to go into the little bit of golf knowledge that I do know, again, this is not my expertise in terms of like actually fixing a swing, but there are lots of factors that go into this. Definitely has to do, you know, depending on what what club you're hitting, T height's going to play a big role into that. So obviously, driver, you want it to be up a little bit um, more so than you would with an iron if you're going to be teeing it up uh, with an iron. Pretty much, the tee is going to be all the way down to the ground. Your the ball is just going to be barely elevated, uh, if at all, off of the grass for the most part. And obviously, again, the driver is going to want to be up if you're there's a lot of things that could be going on depending on, you know, what you're doing with that. I mean, the first thing that comes to my head, if she has a hard time getting it up, I mean, she could be doing something with her hands, um, kind of maybe not so flippy cause that would get it up in the air some more actually, but, um, she may she probably just doesn't have the right angle of attack for the most part. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and some things that, that golf instructors have recommended, um, and I'm just going off with them, if you are a mid to high handicap player and you struggle with the driver, um, you might want to keep that in your bag or just get a three, five. You know, there, you know what the funny thing is on the PGA Tour, a lot of pros are using seven woods now, 21 mm -hmm. degree, which is about the same as a, a three iron uh, per se. Um but use a lofted wood because it's easier to do that. Obviously, that's why they created hybrids and things like that, too. So those are easier to get it up. Joe makes a great point. T height. If this is the driver, a lot of times you want the ball just like, I think it's like they said a quarter of an inch above it. Or like um, three quarters of the ball or like maybe half of the ball is above it. Because when you swing, like if the ball is here, you're trying to come underneath with woods compared to coming down with an iron or wedge. So it's a little bit different angle of attack. Um, but if you want to learn more about that or learn more about your swing, this is a great time to find yourself a golf instructor, golf coach, um, especially ones that are PGA, LPGA, um, licensed club professionals because they know the best. Yep. So I would definitely make sure you reach out to one of those folks. Um, I also did get a slew of questions the other day that I answered last week. Um, but I'm not sure if everyone on here follows me on Instagram. Yep. So we'll, we'll answer some of those. Um, if I can remember them off the top of my head. Let's do a rapid fire. Come on. 
One I remember was, uh, why do my knees hurt after I squat? <laughs> you got, you got so, the knee, knee bulba. No, just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when you think about it, like, for example, sometimes when we squat, our knees are going to go forward. Um, so kind of the thing that's been demonized in the fitness circle is like, don't let your knees go past your toes, which is a load of crap. Um, if your knees go forward, it's going to be more anterior chain. So loading up that quad, uh, the adductors inside, which help us bring our leg in, are another one that it gets gets loaded too. Um, unfortunately, when the knees go a little bit forward, there's a little bit more stress sometimes placed on the front of the knee. So um, if your knees hurt, a few things you can do. You can change the range of motion so you don't go as deep. Um, you could use alternatives. So instead of going like full range of motion on the squat, you can do a box squat, which is a more hip, um, low back dominant variation. Um, or number three, you can lower the weight and the reps because there's things called load volume. So for example, let's say I do 300 pounds for 10 reps. That's 3000 pound load volume. Then the rep volume, um, is just 10. Okay. So if you accumulate too much on both of those things, the load volume and the repetition volume, that might be irritating too. So you may want to cut the reps down. You may want to cut the sets down. There's a lot of different variables that could be leading to um, why maybe your knees don't feel good. So maybe play around with some of those things. Um, but if you want more specifics, don't hesitate to uh, direct message Joe or Ryan. We're always willing to discuss or kind of hash out things. Um, if you still have any further questions. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things, um, to think about too, is that there are lots of reasons why you may or may not have pain. Um, Andrew definitely gave a lot of good biomechanical reasons. Um, I also think it would be good for you to possibly whoever asked, asked this question, or if this is you, um, dealing with this to definitely get assessed and looked at, it could just be a pure, purely form thing. Um, although that may not necessarily be the case. Are there any exercises that a golfer should avoid? <laughs> and, um, basically I think every exercise has, uh, its place. It all just depends on context and why you're doing it. Um, I think what happens a lot of times is people are just, they think they're doing something f for one thing when really, in reality, they're not, or it's not helpful for that. I think the biggest, most, at least from the fitness side of things, that's the most demonized for a lot of people is doing drills on a BOSU ball or like a stability ball. Um, and they think that's going to be helpful. I think, you know, in terms of rehab, I think those are great things because that develops a lot of uh, neuromuscular re-ed, balance, proprioception, all those kinds of things. Um, but that's, could be a little bit more of a rehab kind of looking for some stability kind of thing. Not necessarily if you're looking to get stronger or faster or more powerful, you don't want to use that because it's not going to help whatsoever. In fact, research has shown that you're not able to withstand as much force or put out as much force on an unstable surface. So you're only hurting yourself. Is there any bad exercise again? And as far as I'm concerned, no, um, everything is in, has to be taken in context and, and has to be given for a reason why you're doing it. Absolutely. Um, and I'm just going to go back to the thing I go to master the basics, squatting, hip hinging, such as like deadlifts, um, pulling from vertical or horizontal, pushing from vertical or horizontal, um, and, and carries. Those are the things I, I, I mainly go to. There is no bad exercise. There are exercises that may not fit somebody because they don't enjoy them or they can't stay consistent with them or it's just not good for them. It doesn't make it a bad exercise. It's, it's just not good for a, a certain individual. So find exercises you can stay consistent with. Like Joe said, it don't need to be sexy, bosu ball or anything like that. And then consistently do them for weeks or months at a time because you are going to get stronger if you like gradually increase the load. So, you know, another thing is demonized is people say three sets of 10, you know, for everything. 
Okay. Well, you could do three sets of 10, increase the load each week, and I think it'd be fine. Um, but you may, if you really want to increase the load, you may have to do three sets of eight. Or, you know, if you go a little bit lighter, three sets of 12, things like that. Make it enjoyable, make it consistent, and make sure you, you stick to something. Because I have programmed um, a lot of strength and conditioning stuff or things like that uh, where people program hop for two weeks and they're like, I'm not getting any results. I said, how long are you staying on the program? Well, about two or three weeks and I got bored with it. You're going to have to stay on it for like six, maybe 12 weeks, something like that for something to really happen. If you're program jumping, you know, every two weeks or every week or things like that, you're not going to reap any benefits. So find things you like, find things that are, that are simple and effective and find things that keep you uh, consistent. Um, last, last show, we answered a question on, you know, best exercises, I think for golfers over 50 or 50, 65 yeah. or something like that. Yep, 50. 50. I think it was and 50. Then, yeah. Uh, one of my clients who listens to the show, thank you so much for listening, Dennis. Uh, hope, hopefully you don't mind me shouting you out. Um, but he, Dennis, um, <laughs> he, he asked me, um, same question. Just, you know, does that differ for, uh, people over like over the age of 70 or 75. And I told him I'd answer this on here. And really it doesn't for the most part. Um, all the main things really, really take into account the biggest things now, again, really the biggest difference is just age for the most part. And the, the typical yep. changes that occur with that, which again is usually more stiffness. Yes. It's a little bit harder to get more mobile. It's a little bit harder to put on muscle mass. You probably may have lost some more muscle mass. All of that's typical, um, but that doesn't mean that you can't improve it. So again, just going back to improving the mobility and I would say the biggest areas happen to be mid back, hips, shoulders, and the neck. And then from there, just getting strong in your main movements, like Andrew had just mentioned, including the basics. And I know he mentioned this last time, but squatting, hinging, lunging, carrying, horizontally pushing and pulling, vertically pushing and pulling, all of those are going to make you a well-rounded uh, athlete, we'll just go there and say it, and we'll prepare you for absolutely any athletic endeavor as long as you have a balanced program to do that. I mean, if you're just doing all one movement, then you're going to be lopsided, but um, all of those things will prepare you for sure. Yeah, and I agree. No, it doesn't change from 50 to 75. Things may change as far as like the range of motion, loading resistance, volumes, repetitions, but that's about it. I mean, like yep. Joe addressed the shoulders, okay? We need this. We need a lot of external rotation with the mid-back. Obviously, we need external rotation, extension, flexion, side bending. Um, and then with the hips, obviously, all ranges of motion, especially internal rotation uh, for the hips. So, obviously, address those areas, but the exercises don't change. I don't care if you're 30, 20, 50, 75, 80. It doesn't change. There might be slight variable changes, but there's no like big picture change or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I even tell my my patients I work with every day, like keep it simple. Don't complicate things. Exercises are simple and straightforward. Make them simple and straightforward. Do them well. Do them as often as you like. Be consistent and have fun with it. That's really what. Yep. The reason I got into this is all about is simplifying stuff and making it easy so that people can benefit from it. And the reason I'm in this golf fitness and performance thing is to improve people's mobility, whether it's the shoulder, mid, back, hip, or other areas, to in improve their ability to walk, ride, play 18 holes, nine holes, play around without pain, uh, to increase their club head speed or their ability to play golf and help them to shoot lower scores. And that's what it comes down to. And I don't want to complicate it so much that they cannot reach those goals. I make it as simple as possible then help them be accountable and own it. There you go. I've got two more, I think, good questions for yeah, us to answer that we haven't. Uh, someone asked, um, do we have to do any wrist exercises to avoid injury? <laughs> I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. I, I love it. Um, you know what? Okay, and obviously we know, okay, we, we use the wrist a lot, so they change position, top, 
through the through the uh, backswing, and then they change on the downswing. So obviously, you know, repetitive motion, boom, 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 boom. There's no specific like wrist exercises. I mean, I think I do like wrist stuff three or four times a week, but that's in complement with the stuff I'm doing. I mean, all I'm doing is like some flexion like this. I mean, extension, excuse me. God, I should know my anatomy. Um, extension like this, then I'll flip around, do some flexion. Sometimes, I mean, I'll tell you this, I am 35 and I get some wrist stuff here and there every so often because I work on people. And it's usually with this, which is called radial deviation or thumbs up. And then sometimes older deviation thumbs down. And I'll take a dumbbell, I'll take a barbell. You know, sometimes I'll take little plates, two and a half, five pounders, you know, and, and just crank it out. I mean, you know, like 50 to 100 reps, nothing complicated. I think it's good um, because we need grip and forearm strength for the repetitive motion of swinging the golf club, holding on to the golf club, um, and, and, and just helping us out. I don't think it's the, the cure-all or be-all to end-all, but uh, I think it's very beneficial, and I do it, so I would highly recommend that, that people work on extension, uh, flexion, and sometimes radial and I mean, thumbs up, radial deviation, uh, pinky down, ulnar deviation. Yep. I would just go along the lines of saying, um, all those isolation exercises are great. Um, you know, if you're short on time, I wouldn't waste your time doing that. I would spend more time just, you know, picking up heavy things and getting the grip strength and the wrist stabilization from those kinds of things. Um, there are no exercises that can help you prevent an injury getting stronger in general and doing exercise can help reduce your risk for experiencing an injury but there's nothing in this world that can stop you from experiencing an injury hate to say it it's i mean if if there was i mean andrew and i might be out of a job basically <laughs> um so you know there's no specific exercise that will prevent you from getting an injury um, I do like the isolation exercises if you have time to do it. If not, just work on picking up heavy things and, and holding them. You can also look into getting um, fat grips or just wrapping a towel or something around uh, dumbbells or barbell or something like that. You can also do yep. uh, like towel grip pull-ups, basically. Um, all those things are really great for grip strength. And as Andrew alluded to, grip strength and just wrist and forearm strength is huge when it comes to golf. Um, and it, it's, it's important. I mean, something to definitely work on again, isolation wise. If you don't have the time, don't waste, don't waste your time on it. Do, do the big movements like we talked about. Yep. Um, and then I'll preface this saying I, I made a post on Instagram that said most protein bars are glorified candy bars. And, um, some people, someone asked a question asking about, um, that they saw that post and what do I think about protein shakes? And basically, you know, it's going to, it's going to, so most protein bars are not the greatest, especially if you go get like, uh, nothing against cliff here, but like cliff protein bars, most of them are like chocolate covered. They got a whole bunch of extra crap in it. They're really not worth <laughs> a lot of good protein. You're probably better off just getting a Snickers, honestly. Um, yeah, I, and I'll supplement that by saying if you go to a convenience store, I mean, you can go down where they have the protein bars, and it's like Cliff Bars, Met, Met RX, and stuff like that. A lot of them are like chocolate covered this or chocolate covered that. Yep. And, and Joe's right; I, I'd rather eat Snickers. I mean, probably not great, but yeah. uh, I'd probably go with that. Yeah, I mean, most of them are not the greatest. I would definitely go ahead and look into those. There's so much variability because there's so many flavors and different things. When it comes to protein shakes, um, again, I don't know the whole lay of the land when it comes to protein shakes. I went off of the fact of like protein powders. Most protein powders are very similar. The things that will be somewhat different are their ingredients. So if there are some things that are in there that you don't necessarily like um, or things that may not be the best for you, which would include like artificial sweeteners, those kinds of things, you can you know make sure you read the ingredient label. Um, the next biggest thing when it comes to that though, I would say really think about too, is there are different kinds of protein powders. So there's whey, whey isolate, and really like casein 
or mass gainers. The biggest thing is like casein and mass gainers are going to have probably a little bit more calories to them um, just based on what they're made for. I think the biggest thing that I had mentioned in my answer to this is that most people, I don't think protein powders are probably a little bit better than most protein bars that you generally will find. I think the biggest issue is when people make a protein shake, they put a lot of extra crap in it and they don't realize how much crap they're putting in it, even though it's all quote unquote healthy. But I mean, when you put in, you know, you grind up some oats, you put in some chia or whatever, sunflower seeds, a scoop of peanut butter, some Greek yogurt, a banana, some berries, like you just gave yourself potentially an 800 to a thousand calorie meal versus what was, uh, 120 to 250 calories yeah and they and they have some of the protein shakes that are like they're about this big or so and they're on the go um and fortunately a lot of those have like 20 to 40 grams of protein and like maybe two to like 10 or 12 grams of carbs and like zero to five grams of fat so a lot of those, I've drank like the Muscle Milk ones, uh, Premier Protein. Um, Bryson used to be with Orgain. A lot of people do that one. Um, those are not bad choices uh, per se. But like Joe said, if you you do a protein shaking, load it up with all that stuff, and you're like, oh, it's, it's only like 600 calories, and it may turn out to be 1,000. Like, uh, not saying it will ruin your nutrition, but um, – it might not be the best choice at that time. So, um, yeah, just kind of be aware of, of what you put in it. Um, then if, you know, obviously there's a lot of grab and go ones. So, um, just kind of check the label really quick for those. Just kind of like protein bars. Um, some of them, uh, may be okay. Some of them may not. So, uh, just decide what you think works best for you. Um, and just go with it. Yep. And we'll, we won't, we're, we're not prefacing because we're way behind the point here, but neither Andrew nor I are uh, registered dietitians or nutritionists. So take all of this information with a grain of salt. We can do a little bit of nutrition uh, as far as like what we're allowed to do, but we can't prescribe anything. So again, take that with yeah, a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. And all, all I was doing is offering suggestions that I do. And, yes. And like we have talked, like we talked about, it might have been the last month in match. Um, not everything's going to work the same. I mean, Joe and I obviously eat differently um, and, and we look differently. Um, and just like you or your spouse or you or your friend or you or your golf buddy, um, you're not going to respond the same to certain things. So, um, yeah, it's good to ask your golf buddy, whatever, uh, what they're doing, nutrition or things like that rise wise, but realize it may not fit you the best. And that's why we're saying, um, consult like a registered dietitian nutritionist. Um, if you really want to get into the specifics of the details, um, about how to optimize your nutrition best for your game. Yeah. And then with that, we will close out the show. Good rapid fire. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Whoever submitted questions. Thank you so much. If anyone else wants to submit questions, feel free to send Andrew or I, uh, a message, um, through Instagram, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I know Andrew's a little bit more active on Twitter than I am. I believe all of those links are in the show notes if you have access to them. So feel free to, to follow us, send us a message, whatever you want to do. Um, but we'll get your questions answered on the next monthly mash. So again, yeah, thank you even, so much. Even if it's, yeah, even if it's not on a monthly mash, um, and you just want to ask us a question, it comes up some week, don't hesitate to, to send us anything. Or um, if you want to suggest any uh, uh, content or um, anything that you think we could do better with this podcast, don't hesitate to reach out to Joe or I, because we're always looking for uh, suggestions, uh, fresh takes, and just uh, perspective from you guys that listen to us. So uh, thank you very much for you guys uh, that are listening, whether you're previous listeners, new listeners, or just curious. Um, we welcome you so thank you and that's a wrap on this week's episode as always andrew and i are so grateful for having you to take the time out of your day to listen to us just chit chat about golf and answer your questions and we really appreciate you sending in the questions so thank you so much for doing that 
again, if you haven't already, you can check out the nutrition checklist for in-round golf and hydration. And I give you specific examples of what you should be having before the round, after the round, and also during specific holes in the round. So please be sure to go ahead and check that out. Again, the link to download that is in the show notes. If you do not have access to the show notes, you can email me at joe at puredrivephysio.com. That's P-U-R-E-D-R-I-V-E-P-H-Y-S-I-O.com. And you can just go ahead, send me a message that you can't get the show notes and you would like the checklist, and I will send you the link to get that checklist. But let's go ahead and officially wrap this episode up. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this. Uh, We will be back next week with another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. As always, keep working hard, keep striving for excellence, because when you feel great, you golf great.